Welcome to Adventures in Behaviour Change, the Little Challenges podcast, with me, Katie Elliott. It's a place to find ideas, inspiration and practical tools to help make the messy business of being human just a little bit easier. Join us. Guests on today's show are Anna Karras Wilson and Neil Bett of Frank Partners, two professionally trained actors who specialise in helping people to communicate better. We first met several years ago in the world of improvised comedy, so it should come as no surprise if today's show is more than usually giggly. Hello, hello. Would you care to introduce yourselves? Uh, yes, hello. I'm Neil Bett, and I am a partner. I think isn't it? Yeah, Frank I Partners. think we are. Yeah, and oh. I'm Anna Karras Wilson, also a partner at Frank Partners with Mr. Neil Bett. Great. Mm-hmm. So, what is it that you do? Well, we go into the workplace and we help people communicate more effectively, and I suppose more happily as well with each other. I'm just thinking of the potential for us now to have a really <laughs> dreadful conversation where we communicate very poorly. Yes. You're so entertaining. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. In some way, the first question you asked, like, you know, what do you do, is actually really hard to answer because we do lots of things, but mm. essentially we work with people on how they communicate with each other and we use humour in that as much as we can. There's something about the trust that you build up with people when you're being playful and having fun and having a laugh and you break down some of those barriers and people allow themselves to be a bit more vulnerable, then you can start to do some of the more intricate work. Mm. It releases tension, and and tension is always the thing that gets in the way. That's the barrier. And I think once you can release tension, and once you can allow yourself to be human and vulnerable, then I think that's where everybody does their best work, whoever Mm. they are, Mm. in virtually any job. Getting to that state of being relaxed and alert and able to connect with people around them. You've got to have a sense mm. of humour to be able to do that. <laughs> so on mm. the subject of communication then, it can be quite tricky to make ourselves understood, I suppose, mm. and create an environment in which we can hear other people and they can hear us in the way that we want to be heard. Yeah. Are there common issues that you see cropping up in the way that people communicate with one another that someone like me might benefit from knowing about? I think there is an awful lot of not listening going on in the workplace and in life. I think there's that sort of competitive need to get your voice and your opinion and be quite forceful about that and in that process stop listening to other ideas. And that, I think, is quite a a common thing that we see and that we try very hard to break down. Mm. in people and I think alongside that is that we think it's not okay to be us that we need to be something that isn't us mm. to fit in with everybody else and I think our desire to be in and to be accepted is so strong you know because we are tribal and we, to, to survive we kind of need to be part of something and actually having the ability to be different to be yourself. Yeah. I know it sounds really corny, but there is something about what is it that 
I believe in and that I want to do and do I want to be with this bunch of people for example going for drinks or actually would I prefer to sit on the grass and have a cup of tea and if I say I'd rather sit on the grass and have a cup of tea are they all gonna exclude me you know it's just just some very simple stuff about being in or being out I think it's quite a big driver for people as well Mm. It happens when you get school kids together as yeah. well. You know, it happens with, with groups of people who come together. They have to sort of find their voice and find their way of being yeah. in, a, in a group. And that's hard. Yeah. And interestingly, when people meet each other, especially in a workplace, one of the first things that we want to do is to appear really competent. I can really do my job and sort yeah. of blind you with my big words about my job and really impress you. And actually the research shows, and I'm giving a very tip of the iceberg version of it here, but the research shows that actually when we meet people, what we really want first is warmth. And I don't mean that we go and give big hugs and kiss them, but actually that we find somebody who's curious mm. about us, who shows mm. us respect, who gives us time, who is kind to us. And I think kindness is a huge part of it for us. And, and the competence, of course, is important, but that initial warmth is the most important thing that needs to happen first. To be able to listen without feeling the need to prove your competence and, and interject mm. actually takes a lot of confidence, I think, doesn't it? For someone to be able to really hold the space for someone else to express themselves without needing to jump in and make it about them. I guess we can practice the listening. Yeah. We do an exercise where we ask people to speak for three, four, five minutes and the other person will just listen. They're not allowed to say anything, they just listen. And it's amazing how many people say, oh, that was a long time. And you know, three minutes is 180 seconds. It's not long. Mm. It really isn't long. And so as an exercise, it really illustrates how much we don't listen. You know, how you can listen for about five seconds and then you kind of come in and slam it. And we see it, you know, we see it with our politicians. We see it with programmes like The Apprentice, you know, them shouting at each other and all the rest of it. It's sort of endemic, really, in our society that shouting over people is the way to win. Mm-hmm. And it really mm-hmm. isn't. And the, the other lovely thing about that exercise is when people kind of feedback at the end, what was it like to listen? Some people have that realisation that although they want to interject, often their interjection is about saying, oh, and I've been there, and then the possibility that they might hijack the conversation. And what some people realise is that because I didn't do that, I heard something much more interesting. The other person was able to go where they wanted with it, which is unusual. Mm. I get, you know, it's unusual to, to really give somebody good attention for three minutes or five minutes. Yes. And that exercise, I'm just curious about what that feels like for people when they're, whether there's a relief in knowing that they can't say anything. What came to mind for me was a few years ago, I went through a 12-step programme, a codependency 12-step programme. And for anyone who doesn't know how 12-step groups work, people will speak, but no one else speaks whilst the person is speaking. So it was the first time for me, I guess, that I'd spoken in a situation where there was an explicit rule that no Mm. one would interrupt me. And even more importantly, that no one would give me feedback on what I'd said. And I hadn't realised what an absolute gift it is to have space to speak uninterrupted even without people saying oh that's really good or 
oh, I know how you feel. Actually, the relief that came from knowing that it, it wasn't required, not just for the person speaking, but for the people listening, it enabled them to actively participate in a process of trying to understand something in a way that's very difficult if you're poised to respond. Mm. Mm. Um, and I, what I noticed one time was that that rule was broken. There were some people who were new and didn't really know the rules, and they responded to what I'd said in a very positive way. It was meant very positively. But compared with being listened to without judgment, without interruption, mm. it didn't have that quality. Mm. It made me realise how precious and, and how the listener can be an active participant in the conversation without saying anything. Mm. In that by listening with real presence, it's like you're collaboratively allowing an idea into being that is very difficult to, to create without that sort of shared focus. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and you know when people are listening to you because there's other ways that you can communicate apart from words so you know from the body language you know from the nods and the smiles and I think we've all been at that party where you you're talking to somebody in there so say yes 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 and they're looking over your shoulder see if there's somebody more interesting on the other side of the room you know that happens so you just know and you don't need the validation of, of words I think to always demonstrate that you're listening yeah I, I liked what you said there about although there was no judgment in the way that people are listening, what I'm picking up that you did know that they were listening in a very present way, in a very supportive way. So you can sense that, can't you? I'm just going to go to that back to that exercise, but we ask people to actually sit opposite each other and look at each other rather than sit next to each other, mm. which is a different dynamic. And one of the questions we ask at the end is, how often do you get to speak for three minutes without being interrupted? And it's almost never. Hmm. It's a real gift, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not difficult. I think yeah. that's the thing, it's not difficult. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a bit of a mind shift, but it's not rocket science. No. It isn't. So something I'd love to know, I, I'm imagining you go into different workplaces and there will be uncomfortable atmospheres and uncomfortable dynamics between people. How do you help people to have difficult conversations? So if someone's at home and they're thinking about a situation, maybe there's someone they're avoiding or there's mm. someone that always rubs them up the wrong way or whatever it might be, have you learnt anything about how to create an environment or open a conversation that you fear might be uncomfortable to give yourself the best possible chance of getting through it unscathed? <laughs> well, a lot of what we've been talking about does help, you know, the listening asking questions with a genuine sense of curiosity. Breathing, I think, helps a lot. We do a lot of breath work, you know, a proper diaphragmatic breath that actually oxygenates your body and sends some oxygen up to your brain. But I think a lot of it is about pausing, actually, as well, not kind of going in and fighting and letting the kind of tension of the situation drive you, but kind of relaxing into it and, and accepting it. And being able to be humble. If you can be humble, then you can then 
I think, teach by example. And by humble, I don't mean, you know, you're so grovel and say, oh, yes, you're so marvellous. <laughs> Not that kind of humble. But just kind of, I remember somebody saying to me, always assume that there is about a 5% chance that you could be wrong, however much you feel about it. Only 5%. Only I mean, at least 5%. Yeah, okay, yeah. You know, just so there's always a little chink. You know, I might feel really strongly about something, but there's a little bit of a chink, well, actually, I might be wrong, or, you know, Anna and Katie might have a better idea, or might have an idea which looks at it from a different angle, which is more effective. So it's a mental thing, it's a physical thing, and what you do with your body, I think, has a huge effect. Um, And I think all that helps, but there isn't a magic cure. No. There's not a panacea. We have a a mantra which is, tough on the facts, open-minded on the reasons. And that can be quite helpful when people are so lost in the emotion of something it can help them to kind of bring them back into what is the center of this articulate it and we have an exercise where we get people you know this is the uncensored version what do you want to say to that person you've got 20 seconds no holds barred say what you want and often this is people have been trying it for like 20 minutes and they've been going on and round and round the houses and you get to say okay what is it that you really want to say and boom they say it and I think getting that nugget the uncensored version and then you can build back into the conversation and that's often a helpful way of of people realizing that the thing they want to say might not be as scary as they think it is Mm. hearing it out loud the conversation we've got on our heads is often terribly complicated and difficult and and I say this and he says Mm. that and then I'm going to say this and, and he's going to say that and actually that's not how it works. Mm. And, and if I say that, what will she think? Yeah. Um, what will he think? And yeah. will he think that I'm a really bad person? Yeah. And it, mm. The mind traps is another big thing. So big separating yeah. out things that we're pretty clear about, mm. things that seem to be have some sort of objective truth mm. to them. Because there's so much meaning-making that we do, isn't there? There's so yeah. much storytelling internally yeah. about yeah. what was said or what appears to have happened. And yet, yeah. Yeah. we're so complex, aren't we? We're very yeah. good at getting yeah. confused yeah. In amongst all of the meaning-making. Mm. Mm. I recently facilitated a conversation between two people who were really having a very, very difficult time. And I structured the conversation in a way that allowed them to speak uninterrupted and for the other person to speak uninterrupted, allowing them to then say what they'd heard the other person say. And when we do this in case play situations, what we often do is ask people to change chairs. So they physically sit in the chair of the person that they're talking to and play their part. Because actually, we talk about putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and it's Mm. great advice but actually sitting in their chair and then we play them Mm. and they kind of go I do that (laughs) oh no you know so it's quite a revelation and that's I think one of the ways that we can use acting skills in that kind of scenario I'm just thinking how useful it would be to be able to do this more generally in life Mm. Mm. one of the things I'm, I'm sometimes aware of when we go to the workplace is that nobody's ever learned this before. They don't do classes in it, apart from when you get into a big company uh, where they invest in it. And I think there is a bit more of that in schools now, but I think there needs to be more because I think the younger you learn it and the more aware you are of it, the, the easier it is to have those conversations when you are in a leadership position. And I think our work, what we're encouraging people to do is to get curious about what's driving that behaviour. Going into something with an open mind rather than with a, I'm right, I'm going to defend my slice of what I think is right. 
Mm-hmm. So listening, being curious. Yeah. Finding a state of open-mindedness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Postponing judgment for as long as possible. All of those things. Mm. What you've just said puts it nicely in a nutshell. I think all of this doesn't mean that you know you will naturally have a reaction which is oh but i hate that person mm. or, but then if you can take a deep breath ground yourself take a moment whatever it is it you need to do to come back to a place of connection looking at that person with some kindness and some empathy mm. we often say to people who want to practice a conversation and they just hate the other person they there's nothing good about them you know we often say to them tell me one thing you like about that person before we start this conversation and it could be he's got a nice shirt or, you know, she <laughs> sometimes, I don't know, she, donuts whatever it is, it, you know, one nice thing. Because that is the little crack that can open up something different. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. I can't remember if it's Benjamin Franklin, but somebody discovered that if you ask someone to help you, someone who dislikes you, you ask them to help you. Mm. They then tend to like you better afterwards, ah. which is quite mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. Something about showing a bit of vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember a very intensive four-day course, and it was in um, Athens, and they were all sitting around in a circle, and there was one guy in particular who was really hostile. And everything we said, he would kind of argue with it. And I even remember he used to sit slightly outside the circle. He hated what we were doing. He wasn't responding to it well at all and blah, 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 blah. And I just remember really avoiding him and then thinking, right, I've got to just be with him for a bit. And we all went for lunch. And so there were some little tables with two places and there were some big tables with six places. And and there was this little table for two places and he was sitting on one end and I had my lunch and I thought, I know what I have to do. And I don't wonder. And it was a horrible lunch because I had this awful kind of indigestion. But I just sat down opposite him and I just said, how are you doing? And had a chat with him. And he spent the whole of the lunchtime telling me how crappy he thought it all was. But just kind of being there, there was something in that moment which switched. And at the end, he was one of the ones that came up and shook our hands most warmly and said how much he had got from it. And I I like to think that that was a bit of a turning point because it was an obvious kind of cry for help. And I don't even remember what it was. It wasn't something that he could necessarily articulate. But just by being there, letting him get stuff off Mm. his chest made a massive difference. I don't know about you, but have you had that experience where sometimes it just really helps? You say all that stuff, you know, I really hate this, don't want to be here, this is dreadful, whatever it might be. And actually the act of saying it and having mm. somebody witness or listen mm. to that. At mm. the end of it, you don't really feel it anymore. Yeah, yeah. If Absolutely. the other person can listen in such a way that they know yeah. that this is a transitory yeah. experience, well, you, yeah. I think you feel, stuck there forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think you feel better because it's outside of your body. Yeah. The thing that can really sometimes make us really ill, you know, make us feel sick and worried and tired and stressed yeah. and we don't sleep and all that. Once it's outside of you and it's, it exists in the world... It's a relief. You can kind mm. of relax at that point. Mm. Yeah. I think that's why case plays, where you practice a conversation, we ask people to prepare a conversation they've got coming up that they're kind of worried about, they think it's going to be difficult, and we practice that conversation. And because it's been practiced, like you say, it's out there, they quite often feel much more confident about having the conversation. It's a bit like a dress rehearsal for a yeah. show. Suddenly it kind of go, oh, oh, that's the thing I'm dealing with. Yeah. Okay, you've done it once, you've had some feedback, you've tried different approaches. 
I'm not saying it's going to make it a perfect conversation, but it means that you go in with more confidence. We do quite a lot of work with people on presentation skills. Most people spend, you know, 99.9% of their prep time on a presentation putting their nice, beautiful PowerPoint in order. (laughs) Not thinking about where do I stand in the room? What am I going to say? Where's the audience going to be? All that kind of stuff. So it's never as good as it could be. But if you practice it like actors would rehearse a play, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a much better chance of being successful. It's really not yeah. rocket science, but we don't do it. We just do the slide deck. Maybe so even the slide practicing deck. by having a difficult conversation in the mirror. Yeah. And yeah. saying some of the things that you might want to say to somebody. Yeah. Even yeah. that can yeah. create that little bit of distance that yeah. makes it easier to, to yeah. have the conversation. Or in the shower, in the yeah. morning, or in the car, yeah. or, you know, wherever. The actual act of saying it out loud, not yeah. saying it in your head, but saying yeah. it out loud. And ideally, mm. you would practice with somebody else. And not necessarily yeah. in the shower. Well, yeah, it could well, be in the shower. I yeah. mean, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, depends you, yeah, depends how well you get on with that person. <laughs> <laughs> I think practicing the opening words that you're going to say is really important, and you can do that yeah. in the shower on your own. Yeah. But once we've worked with a group out of <laughs> the shower, <laughs> I think I'm telling myself I'm not. No, I'm sorry. I'm not. It's entirely my fault. I'm, I'm supposed to be practicing good listening. <laughs> the act of having somebody else play or mentor you or play devil's advocate or coach you that's something you can practice with other people it's just a kind of another muscle that you can get better at (laughs) great great and i'm remembering that on your website and on your youtube channel and in fact on your frank partners app yes you've got you've got some lovely examples of ways that you might wish to have a conversation that are likely to turn out well and then mm. also some ways that perhaps you might not wish to have a conversation yes there are some really quite entertaining <laughs> yes. examples of people yeah. communicating well and not so yeah well. yes yeah. so there's a few kind of themes that we've got and we have a bad version which are always the most fun versions to film and, and much easy, easy yeah. really easy because we can break all the rules <laughs> yeah. and that's fun and then we have to do what we call it as a better version rather than a brilliant version yeah. because and I, and I think that's really important because mm. no communication is ever perfect actually yeah. and I think if you're trying to make everything perfect it doesn't work so if you do what you can do sort of for most of the time then that's great but yeah the app is available it's free to download <laughs> so i believe you both have a little challenge for me that i feel spoiled yes. for choice normally, <laughs> normally there's only one little challenge oh. i'd love to invite you both so a yeah. little challenge something that you can do in just a few moments yeah do you want to go first uh, yeah i have got uh, a breathing exercise because I think I mentioned breath a little earlier and I think breathing is one way that we can kind of self-manage and calm ourselves down and there's lots and lots of breathing exercises lots of books about it lots of stuff on YouTube about it but my little challenge is when you're feeling stressed to do one breathing exercise shall we go through it oh please it might not make a brilliant podcast (laughs) moment but let's do it anyway. Would it be like when somebody said to me, oh, can you see this diagram? (laughs) (laughs) So sit up straight, beautiful, lovely posture, and hold your index finger around about, I don't know, six inches away from your mouth. And imagine that's a candle. And what you're going to do is you're going to blow just so that the flame flickers. You don't want to blow it out, but you're just doing it so the flame flickers. (laughs) 
<laughs> I can tell we're all going to get me giggles doing this. <laughs> this is a good calming exercise. Okay, so have a go at that. And again. And then hold it around about a little bit further and do the same thing. And I blow it out completely. So you can do variations of that, but that helps you. You're giggling. <laughs> this is supposed to be a calming. Can you imagine this, this on radio? Was... <laughs> I don't know how you're going to edit that, but I'm looking forward to it. But anyway, that's a calming exercise that you can use breath to slow your heart rate down. And that helps when you go into a difficult situation. I love that. And I'm just looking forward to doing that in a public space. Yes. Well, preferably on your own, yes. You just lock yourself in the loo or you lock yourself in a corner and just do a few, yeah. I did coach somebody who did a TED Talk and they said that was the most useful exercise of all the, the ones that I'd given so them to the do. So it's kind of slow release of the breath. Yeah. Slow release of the breath, yeah. So it just helps you to concentrate, yeah. Mm. That's lovely. Thank you, Neil. <laughs> Pleasure. Anna, your um, So my tip is a kind of generic tip about when you're presenting. And I actually want to get people just getting used to hearing their own voice saying stuff out loud because it's such a surprise if you haven't practised it. And if you don't have a presentation coming up, there's a wonderful book which I've got here which is called A Year of Reading Aloud, 52 Poems to Learn and Love. Now, I'm not suggesting you learn a poem every week but it's a nice thing to do but it's just basically a book of poems and you could take one poem a week and practice saying it out loud just hearing your own voice hearing yourself articulate different kinds of words because there's Shakespeare in here there's lots and lots of different poets getting your head around some different writing is just wonderful and, and it allows you to start relishing language really mm. if you can enjoy the words that you're saying people will notice that and it will go a long way to really connecting with them it's mm. my toppy tip how lovely so to hear different words coming out of your yeah. mouth from the ones that you usually use yeah that's an interesting idea yeah yeah Thank you. So we've already mentioned there is a Frank Partners app. I will be there including is. links. And you do oh. have a website. Is there I anywhere do. else that you would like people to find you? We have a Twitter account, um, LinkedIn and all those and kind Instagram. of things. And Instagram. Facebook, yeah. So, Lovely. yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been such such fun talking with you both. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great. No, Thank it's you. been delightful. Thanks for listening. If you know someone who might enjoy today's episode, please pass it on. And if you'd like to hear more from Adventures in Behaviour Change, subscribe on iTunes. Last but not least, if you'd like to help me grow the podcast, please leave an iTunes review. Each one makes a real difference. Until next time, bye for now. Adventures in Behaviour Change is brought to you by the Little Challenges Project. To find out more, visit littlechallenges.com.